Welcome to Millennial Sex Podcast. I'm your host, the Professor Double X, and I'm in the bedroom tonight with a brand new guest. Come a little closer, guest. Say hi, guest. Hi, everybody. Hey, hey. how's it going? It's going good. Well, thanks for being here with us on Millennial Sex Podcast. Thanks for having me. Wow, she just put the sexy on when she came on here. <laughs> um, okay, so so I'm really excited to have you here. It's been a while since I had a new female on the show. Um, and what's really exciting is that our guest today um, has experience in the world of sex. Um, she's an opinionated and intelligent person with a lot of life experience and she is going to share some of it with us. So, um, so tell us, what do you, what do you do for a living? I'm a sex worker. Um, I'm a professional dominatrix. That's my day job. And I am also an escort and an independent dominatrix on the side. Wow. Professional dominatrix. So what does being a professional dominatrix um, involve? It involves, uh, well, I work at a dungeon. Uh, that's what I do during the day. Um, it basically, you're doing BDSM scenes with clients in a dominant role. What um, do you mean by scene? A scene is basically a session. Uh, it'll be like a half hour, an hour, and you just... Uh, have a particular, they, the client has a particular fantasy or uh, something that they want to try, and I make that become a reality for them. Oh. Is, are there any um, fantasies or experiences that you had doing this that were particularly memorable? Yeah, I mean, the, the cool thing about the job is that it's never boring. There's always something interesting going on. Um, I had a particularly interesting client recently who had a nose fetish, which I thought was pretty interesting. He literally cannot get aroused unless he is touching or kissing someone's nose. And he's also turned on by eating boogers, which is interesting. Yeah. One of the things about my job is that there's absolutely no judgment. I think that uh, fetishes, paraphilias are a normal part of human sexuality. So the most important thing is that I never come off judgy. So even if someone comes in with a really wild fantasy or a really wild fetish, that's totally cool, and it's a safe space for them to act that out, and I'm going to make it happen for them. Wow. So, like, how did you get all those boogers for him to mush on? <laughs> did you drink a lot of milk and stuff? Unfortunately, I told him when we started that I didn't have a lot of boogers for him, but he just wanted me to stick my finger up my nose and then put it in his mouth. Oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> I see. Okay. That's kinky. It's like a twist on, you know, putting your finger in your pussy and putting it in something. Right, kind of. A lot of guys have, uh, you'd be surprised how many guys have fetishes that involve, um, you know, like piss or no, different right. bodily fluids. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> and I'd say the most common fetish that guys come in for is anal play because it's something that's so taboo for men to engage in that they feel like they have to do it in a safe space um, where someone's not going to tell them that they're gay for wanting to enjoy, you know, a part of their own body, which I don't understand why it's considered gay to touch your own ass, but lots of guys have that fear. Yes, they do. Mm -hmm. And for legitimate reasons. Um, you know, it's just not seen as masculine. Right. Um, 
So yeah, pegging, uh, prostate massages, that's a really uh, common part of what I do. I mean, there's also the, the general BDSM stuff, flogging, spanking, uh, bondage, um, tease and denial, body worship, stuff like that. Humiliation is one of my favorite things to do. Verbal humiliation and degradation is really fun. Um, Could you explain that one a little bit? Like, um, cause I've always wondered how to do this. Cause like there used to be like sub guys who'd like post ads and I, I would like try to respond and like say something really dominant. <laughs> this was a long time ago. Right. Mm -hmm. And they'd be like, ew. Like, they'd hate me. Like, I totally didn't know what I was doing. Now I kind of get it. But at the same time, like, so what are the things that they like you to say to them? Well, it's it's sensual and it's sexy, but it's also... One of the things that they really like is being emasculated. Um, because I feel like these are usually kind of, like, powerful men in their real lives, you know, and they have to be, like, on point all the time, in control, and they want someone to make them feel less than. So, you know, I'll make fun of the size of their dick, I'll tell them that they're not a real man, I'll make them wear women's clothing, I'll take lipstick and write slut on their chest, stuff like that, and they love it. So there's no, se it's not sexual? Um, it is, I mean, it can be sexual, uh, like... A, humiliation isn't just verbal, you know, degradation can be like physical things that I make them do. So I'll make them crawl around on the floor on a leash and try to kiss my heels. I'll make them, you know, worship my ass. I'll sit on their face, stuff like that. But the whole time we're having this dialogue where I'm making fun of them and humiliating them. Hmm. And are you like, you're clothed, right? Because they like that. They like to be naked while you're dressed in something right um yeah I'm usually clothed um sometimes during like if I'm doing tease and denial I might take my clothes off but I don't let them touch me because mm -hmm. I'm teasing them and then denying them yeah you have amazing boobs by the way like now I see and I see why you're in this business mm. with those boobs thanks um so so do you, so where is the dungeon? Like what part of town is it in? It's in Manhattan. Okay. I can't really say anything. That's fine. No, that's why I, I was just wondering if it was like out because I was like, if it's in Queens, like who goes there? But Manhattan, no. okay. That's what we're talking it's about. It's right in the middle of everything and right. it's a very discreet location. You would never be able to tell unless you came up to our floor that it was a dungeon. D does the owner have a girlfriend named Belle? I don't really know anything about the owner. I rarely see him. Uh, yeah. Um, there's a couple dungeons in New York. I, like, I know of, like, five of them. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so you're probably getting a lot of, like, businessmen. Uh, yeah, lots of businessmen, uh, lots of Hasidic Jewish men. That's, uh, probably about a third of our clientele. Holy shit. Yeah, because, again, uh, sexual repression is a huge part. I mean, I'm not gonna say sexual repression is a huge part of their culture, but, I mean. Well, yeah, Hasidic, yeah, that's the point. They're not allowed to, you know, touch women who aren't their wives, and <coughs> sex is very heavily regulated within, you know, their own sex lives, so... Their wives are bad in bed. I think that if you're only allowed to have sex with one person your entire life, you're probably not going to be that great in bed. No, um, I mean, have you, have you ever talked to them about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they've, I talked, I had sex with one, and I had plenty of questions. I was like, do they really shave their heads? He's like, yes, they do. You know, do you have sex through a hole in a sheet? No, yeah. we don't. Oh, they told me they do. No, he told me they don't. But, wow. um, but you know, it's just very stiff and like basically, he says the women are just not sexual. Well, sex is for procreation yeah. to them; is to have children. Right, and like they are diligent about shaving their heads, and so they just look like, you know, wow. Yeah, they're diligent about the rules, whatever. Yeah, I but, had a client, a Hasidic client, who, it was actually really sad, because a lot of my clients, I'm like, 
you know, there's the sexual aspect, but then I'm also kind of their therapist, you know, they talk to me about things they can't talk to their wife about. And he was very sad about the fact that he was a very sexual person, but he couldn't engage that way with his wife, who he loved very much. Mm -hmm. So he had a lot of guilt about coming to see me and other dominatrices, but it's like he's not getting his needs met, and he doesn't know how to broach the conversation with his wife because it's so taboo. It made me sad because <laughs> he was a nice guy. Do you, you find know. that Hasidic guys have good-sized penises? You know... I have yet to see a Hasidic guy with a micropenis, I'll tell you that, and we see a lot of micropenises. When you say micropenis, do you mean micropenis or do you mean baby dick? I mean micropenis, like, would okay. probably be medically diagnosed as a micropenis. Okay, well, what about Hasidic guys with baby dicks? Um, I've probably seen one, but I think most of the Hasidic guys we see have average. They or have average. Oh, okay. Because I had a theory that, like, a lot of Hasidic guys had real dicks. Like, big dicks no i mean i just have two categories real dick and baby dick okay <laughs> that's it right? yeah it's either a real dick or it's a baby dick that makes sense you know it could be a it could be a super monster real dick right right <laughs> but it, or it's just, it's just it's real dick and baby dick you know i think the majority of them that i've seen do have real dick i think you're right yeah. um i wondered about that because I, I just wonder like i feel like i don't know if this is me because like i've had sex with a lot of jewish guys and i just feel like the ashkenazi jews have like real dicks and the Sephardic the Jews only have baby dicks. Ashkenazi <laughs> Jew I've ever hooked up with was a woman and she was gorgeous and amazing, but I've never hooked up with an Ashkenazi Jewish guy. Well, these Hasidics are Ashkenazi. Oh, they are? Yeah. Oh, well, I've never had sex with one. Oh, I've just had them. Just them. Them. Yeah, I just on them. Oh my! Like, and I escort as well, and I but have you see never their had penis, them. Right? Yeah, you do see their penis. It's they get hard naked when you're right doming, away. right? Um, if oh. I allow them to get hard, yeah. Like, usually I don't let them touch themselves until the end. Because you right. have to draw out the session, you know. So there's a lot that can go on that is sexual but might not necessarily make them hard. Like, if I'm hitting you or spanking you or, you know, putting my strap on in your ass, like, you might not be hard while that's happening, but you're still going to be turned on. Right. And then at the end, I'll let them jerk off. <laughs> okay, great. Um... So, besides the booger fetish, Ooh. what are some some really interesting ones? Um, I think wrestling is a pretty interesting fetish. Uh, I do a lot of wrestling sessions. You just, uh, some guys want to be punched in the face, some guys want to be just put in different holds with like your legs or your arms, or they want you to suffocate them with your tits or your ass. Um, I think that's interesting. Uh, what else? What else? Um, Sissification is a really psychologically interesting fetish. It's men who want to be dressed up as women and they'll have a whole like female persona going and it often involves pegging. Um, I just think psychologically that's very interesting. Um, the way that they behave and they have these whole personas and stuff when they're dressed as women, it's interesting. Um, another interesting one that I had recently was a guy who had a fetish of someone watching him go to the bathroom mm -hmm. and he wanted you to sing the Alka-Seltzer theme song while he went to the bathroom. Okay. That sounds like a very personal previous experience. Oh. Okay. That's the thing is um, sometimes people come in with this really kind of heavy fantasy that you can tell is kind of rooted in personal trauma which yeah. those sessions are kind of difficult because you think, like, do I want to enable this? Is this healthy for the person? 
you know, and of course we can decline any session that we don't want to do, and I have before when people have told me very personal um, fantasies that I didn't feel comfortable engaging in, like age play and stuff like that. I don't do age play, I don't do race play, I don't do um, home wrecking. There's just certain things I won't do for moral reasons. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Um, everybody's different, you know? Yeah, there's def I'm no judgment on people who do engage in those fetishes. It's just for me personally, I don't feel comfortable doing it. Yeah. I don't feel comfortable doing age play. One guy, this guy tried to do it with me one time, and I was really creeped out because he, like, worked at, like, a middle school or whatever. Right. And I was, like, creeped the fuck out by it. Um, well, it you know, really some clients want to act like children and have me act like I'm their mother or something. To me, that just doesn't feel right. I don't want to be in a sexual situation where I'm pretending someone is a child. Right. You know? <laughs> but, again, it's a judgment-free zone, so all you have to say is, I'm sorry, I don't feel comfortable engaging in this. Let me get the next mistress for you. Right. And someone will do it. Yeah. How many mistresses do they have? Um, we, at our dungeon, have a lot. I think maybe there's too many for it to be a viable business model, but we have quite a few. Like, how many do you think? Like, a hundred? Oh, no, not that many. Like, probably, like, 20, 25, 30. Okay. On any given day, there's a lot of turnover, so. Oh. Yeah. Um, how does someone go there? Like, if they wanted to go, like, how could they... So, if you want to book a session, you have to find us online on our website, and then there's a form that you fill out, and then you uh, will call and speak to a manager, they'll give you the address, and then you can come in and book an appointment. And uh, you either do a meet, or you set an appointment with a specific dom. If you do a meet, then you get to meet every single dom there, they'll come into the room, talk to you for five minutes, and then you pick one. Hmm. And it's the same on the sub side? On the what? The sub side? Uh, yeah, I mean, basically they book a dom or a sub session. Um, a lot of the girls, like myself, we don't do sub sessions. That's where we're in the submissive role, so. Yeah. Then he would meet less girls, probably. Are there men there? Can you, no. like, go hire a guy? No, no, there's no men. That is fucked up! <laughs> we, I've, we've had a couple female clients. I've had one. My friend had one. They're very rare. Very rare. Yeah, well, if you had some fucking male doms oh there, there yeah, like, what the fuck? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's terrible. There's some um, male sex workers in general are pretty rare, unless you're talking about, like, cam modeling or, you know, gay porn, stuff like that. Like, there's not a lot of male escorts, there's not a lot of male doms. There's male strippers, but not yeah. as many as there are female strippers. So. Well, I tell you, like, I'm working on being a rich old lady so that I can buy fucking same dick. That's right. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. I'll buy those orgasms. $10,000 <laughs> if you make mama come. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's the kind of money I need going into my old age. Like, what's her name? Ivanka. Right. Ivanka. Ivana. Ivana, Ivana Trump. Trump. Oh, Ivana. Yeah. The mom. Ivana. She divorced Trump and she went and got some young guy. Her old ass would be on the beach with him. He was looking like Fabio with his tan mm -mm. and his... <laughs> his That'd be awesome, but I feel like you have to be Anna Nicole Smith before you become Ivana Trump. Why? Because you have to, how are you going to get, get off, well, for me, I guess, I don't feel like I'm going to, like, come across something that's going to make me a billionaire in my life, unless it's somebody else who's going to make me a billionaire, or my clients are going to make me a billionaire, you know? Right. I feel you. Ah. Well. And that's the thing, is this market 
has like you know people might think it's it's a bad thing to say that like I sound like a gold digger or whatever but like this market was wait it's a bad thing to say what to say that um you know I I want to get rich through sex work I guess oh (laughs) you know I read something really I read like a really interesting article not long ago it was about how um in the you know gold rush and like the you know earlier american pioneering days Mm -hmm. and like especially around the the mining all the mining and everything that was going on at that time that like prostitutes were the most wealthy women in america and they were talking about like how these towns like where people were mining just had tons of men and no real town there, like no very few laws or mm-hmm. anything. Same thing with and the railroad when they were building the women railroad. Women couldn't really like travel. The women couldn't own their own money or property. Like if they worked, they made like six bucks a week. Right. And these women were making like 50 bucks a week. Um, and they became like rich women who later like could donate money and rebuild this. And um, like, oh, yeah. There's, um, I wish I could remember her name, but, um, I was doing FinDom on Twitter for a while, Financial Domination, and, um, there's a mistress who is a millionaire now because she got her slaves to mine Bitcoin for her, and they mined so much Bitcoin for her that she's now a millionaire. She, like, sold it at the right time, and, like, that's, that's ingenuity, that's, you know. So what do you think it takes to, uh, to be a dom that can get slaves to do things for you to really enhance your life what does it take what is the quality that these people these subs are looking for they're looking for someone who i feel someone who is like untouchable like someone who has it all together you have to be really sexy but you also have to like exude power you know and i'm not saying that i do that at all like i do that for my nine to five at work you know but some of these women that do it like 24-7, like, I don't know, it's 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 actually, it's kind of amazing. Like, I can do it at work. Um, I just have a persona that I created that is totally different from who I am as a person. What's your persona? Um, I'm the, like, genuine, kind of sensual but sadistic girl at the dungeon I guess I don't know genuine sensual so I'm genuine I'll come in and have a conversation with you I'll you know I'll smoke a joint with you like we'll have a conversation whatever um we'll kick it and then I'm going to talk to you about your boundaries and if there's any hard limits anything I shouldn't do might talk about how your week went and then we're going to go into the session and I'm sensual but I'm I also genuinely get a kick out of hurting people so like I'll be laughing in the session a lot like it's it's you know it's kind of a fun session I guess mm. it doesn't really sound like a persona necessarily it just sounds kind of like characteristics like you know when I think of persona I think of like Sasha Fierce or something like oh she no she has a name and she has like a whole well, thing yeah I have a dom name and I, I have you know outfits that I put on I, I look completely different than I do right now I do a, like a lot of makeup sometimes I wear wigs like do you do like the school because when you say like genuine and sensual but but little sadistic you know I think of like schoolgirl kind of thing like no, yeah. I want, like, a lot of these guys really want, even though they're, it's a transactional arrangement, they want to feel like it's not. 
So they want you to come in and act like, hey, we're just doing this because we want to, because I'm enjoying it. That's how uh, they want you to behave. So okay. I'd give that to them. You know, I don't make them feel like they just paid, you know, $300 an hour to hang out with me for an hour. I want them to feel like we're just doing this, you know? Okay. So see. that's the genuine aspect of it. And then as far as, like, my dom behavior, it's sensual and sadistic. That's, like, the best way I can describe it. Mm-hmm. And um, they like to see that I'm genuinely getting off on torturing them, you know? Yeah. So if I'm laughing and enjoying myself and humiliating them, making fun of them, like, they can tell that I, that it's fun, you know? And it is fun. Right. What's your favorite part about it? Like, what really charges you up about humiliating somebody? Um, I don't know. When I first started working at the dungeon, um... I, I said this to another girl, and she told me, don't ever say that to the managers of the client because they'll get the wrong idea about you. But I said I, I feel like um, it kind of switches up the roles, and I love female domination in the sense that um, it just kind of feels like, I don't know, like payback a little bit, but in like a fun, sexy way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, like payback for all this fucking patriarchy. Right. Yeah. Right. And I'll incorporate that in my session. And I'm not the only dom who incorporates feminist theory with a uh, femdom. Um, there was like a Vice article about a woman who is a dominatrix and she requires her clients before they see her to read black feminist theory. And that's just like part of her screening process. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's part of her sessions as well. So, you know, I'll have like. You know, I'll have a leash and a collar on them, and I'll, I'll be asking them questions like, what does this collar represent? You know, you know, what, who wears collars? Dogs. And what do dogs have? Dogs have owners. And why am I your owner? Because you're my superior. And why am I your superior? Because you're female. You know, so I incorporate, like, feminist kind of stuff into my sessions. Some guys are into it, some guys aren't into it, but... Which is actually, like, the opposite of reality. Like, guys get to be superior just because they're guys. Uh Uh-huh. Right. Of course. For no other reason. But this is a fantasy. It's a fantasy space, you know? So I can bring my fantasies into it, too. Right. You know? And I like that because I have the the ability to do that. Like, the job is so much about creativity and just doing whatever the hell you feel like doing if it's going to work, you know? So do you have a story from work that you'd be interested in sharing first? Um. I can tell you how I got into sex work. Okay. Would that work? Sure. All right. Um, I started uh, nude modeling. Like, this is maybe, like, six, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was doing, like, alternative, like, suicide girls type modeling stuff. But, like, not, you know, like, porn or anything like that. Um, okay. And I got on Model Mayhem, and I, like, had a profile and worked with a bunch of photographers and stuff. And I started getting a lot of requests to do um, submissive BDSM photography. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did a couple of those, and I liked the scene, and I liked the equipment and everything about it, and I started to learn more about it. It sounded really interesting, but I didn't want to be in a submissive role. Yeah. So I looked into how I could still make money from it, and I came up with, oh, be a professional dominatrix. So I've been doing it for about five years. I've worked at three different dungeons. I've been independent in, like, multiple cities. 
Um, and, uh, yeah. So, um, so, do you, so then you also have other clients, right? So you say you do massage. Yeah, I have massage have clients. Um, I do uh, full body essential massage, FPSM, um, and I uh, escort as well. Um, occasionally I do girlfriend experience sessions independently. What's girlfriend experience mean? So girlfriend experience is, um, someone comes over and you can just relax and chill with them. They're your companion. They, uh, make, make you feel good about yourself and you might have sex with them. You might or you might not? Probably going to have sex with them. Oh, okay. And then... With no condom? No, absolutely with a condom. Oh, okay. Absolutely. I thought weird. girlfriend experience meant maybe. No, okay, no. so this is the thing. On Backpage, GFU was a euphemism for, like, raw sex. Oh. But now that, like, Backpage and Craigslist have been shut down, for some reason on Twitter, it just means full service. People oh. just aren't saying full service. They're saying GFU. Okay. So that means, like, I'm an escort and I'm going to have sex with you for money. Right. Right. <laughs> so. Okay. Um, are there... Are, Okay, so girlfriend experience. So you that you're down for like the whole thing. Like it does does it matter? Like you say you don't see their picture? Um yeah, I usually don't see a guy's picture before I go to meet him. Like I'll do a screening process. Um I used to just get references from other providers and to be honest with you, sometimes I just go with my instinct. If I've been talking to them for like fifteen minutes through tags, if they're responding to my jokes, like if they sound like a real person then I'll be like, okay, this person's probably not a serial killer, and I'll go see them. A lot, most women are way more stringent about screening than I am. I guess I'm not the most careful. Um, like I said, like, this is a business, this is my job, this is my career, but I'm not going to lie, dude, I have a financial necessity. And sometimes if you ask for more screening information, the clients are like, fuck you, bye. You know, and that's because of SESA-FOSA, the laws, you know, it being more criminalized now, uh, clients kind of have the upper hand. Right. You know, previously there were, you know, we could say no to anyone who seems sketchy or anything like that. I'm not saying I say yes to clients who seem sketchy, but I'm saying I don't always screen as hardcore as I would back when Backpage and Craigslist were open because I need the money. I'm not trying to scare off the client. Right. So I usually don't know what they look like or know how old they are. You know, I know where they live and if they're a good guy or not based on a reference. Yeah, um, I mean, I just want to say that again. What you said is um, that that FOSTA. Um, what, what did you say exactly? SESTA FOSTA has um, made sex work or full service sex work, especially more criminalized. It's affected everyone in sex work. But. Yeah, but you but you said you had like such a good line that you said. Um, but anyway, you said that um, you don't screen, and so oh, that's it. It's a it, it's um it's more for the guys now. It's so a before, market, yeah. yeah, that's it. It was a it was a seller's market. Oh, absolutely. Now it's a I buyer's market. I could post an ad on Craigslist <clears throat> and get like so many emails that I would ignore half of them and I would just look at the ones with good subject lines and I could right. pick and choose which client I wanted right. to see. Right. Now I put an ad on Twitter, maybe five guys are going to text me and I have to pick one of them that's And they're like really choosy. There's these all these other sites that's picky, almost like yeah. window shopping for escorts. Yeah. Like all a lot of these them are pictures and all this effort. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, a lot of them will call you just because they want to talk about their right. fantasy or just want to just want to book you. Right. Like recently, I had a guy book me, and oh, he confirmed. So I got on the train and went out to see him, and he lived by the Crescent Street stop on the J, which is not really the best of areas. And um, I was by myself, and he just wouldn't pick up the phone. Yeah. You know, so I spent like money to get out there and go see him. You know, and then he just didn't. So they can do stuff like that because there's no review culture either. So I can't really call him out and be like, hey, nobody's, you know, he can get away with it. So customers that were previously blacklisted for being, like, violent and dangerous, now they can access different providers now. Right. Because nobody's maintaining a blacklist. Right. You know, so it's it's made sex work a lot more dangerous as the FOSTA has. Yeah. Um, and, um, Wow. So, like, I mean, I just feel like it's really dangerous for you to, like... Yeah. Someone texts me and they're, like, you know, in a nice area of Brooklyn or, like, a nice area of Manhattan. Yeah. You know, I'll be like, okay. And most of the time it's, like, uh, recently I've been lucky. It's been, like, young, rich, nice guys, so... Yeah. Um, but, like, the... And then, like, I mean, that also means, that like, you don't know what you get until you get there. Absolutely. In terms of, like, I have no look, like, how no, they I have, smell. Yeah, I have no idea. Just, like, but if anything. I get there and if they smell really bad or if they're treating me like shit, I'm gonna leave. Yeah, but like, and I'm gonna take half crazy. of my money with me because that's so. I read this article about Fosta and like what it's gonna do because of the screening issue, yeah. and um, it was like saying, I'm sure you read this that like, like, women's homicide went down by like tens of thousands because of Craigslist. Oh and yeah, the ability absolutely. For women to screen and do what they want to it, do. Within the first three to four days of Sessa Foster passing, there were like sixteen deaths of sex workers. There was a woman who was murdered and put in the trunk of a car, and the car was set on fire, and she was like a mother of two children. There were suicides because of Sessa Foster. Like, it destroyed people's lives. So many people have had to go back to work the streets because of this law, you know, and they're in so much more danger. Um, the first, like, three weeks after the law passed, I was getting texts from pimps, like, on the daily. Like, you need clients, you need clients, girl? I got clients. Um. Come work for me. You know? Like, this, SESTA-FOSTA was a huge win for traffickers, a huge win for pimps, a huge win for the far right, you know, and a huge loss for sex workers. Yeah. How is it a win for traffickers? Can you explain that? Okay, because... Previously, law enforcement was working with Backpage, mm-hmm. um, and think about it this way: Okay, if a girl is, if a woman is being trafficked, um, and they're posting the ads online, um, that's on Backpage. That's on Craigslist. Law enforcement can access it and can help those people. They're out in the light, right? When Sesta Fossa passed, now it's not like the traffickers are going to stop trafficking women. They're not going to stop. They've just been pushed further underground. So now they're on the dark web. You know, and nobody can reach these women. Nobody, nobody can reach these girls. You know, and it's a win for traffickers because it's created a buyer's market. You know, so anything goes. And you know, just like I can show up to a guy's house and he could be a serial killer, I can show up to a guy's house and he could be a trafficker. Why do you think that? I'm because you know there are probably some really well-intentioned people who um, say you know FOSTA like helps and it fights trafficking and it doesn't. You know, there are horrible cases of trafficking on Craigslist, so it makes sense. 
Why do you think that they don't see the big picture, these well-intentioned people? Um, I absolutely do believe that they're well-intentioned, and I don't think that you'll ever speak to a sex worker who is not 100% anti-trafficking and would do anything to help trafficked women. Um, so I absolutely understand where they're coming from and trying to stop trafficking. It's a horrible, horrible thing. Um, I just don't think that they're looking at the research that actually shows what helps. Um, and what helps is decriminalization because it makes sex work a lot safer, you know, and you're out in the open. And um, if, say, say I go and I get raped by a client or say I'm in the country illegally and I'm being forced to do sex work and I get raped by a client, I can't go to the police. If I go to the police and I'm in the country illegally, I'm going to get deported, you know? Like, so it's also an immigration issue. Like the Sex Workers Project at the Urban Justice Center, they work with a lot, like, a lot of people who are, like, illegal immigrants and stuff like that. Um, and uh, there's, you know, there's a lot of issues involved in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, and it sounds like what you were saying is, like, you know, there's... Um, obviously the intersectionality of it now because I mean it's really crazy you're right like what what irritates me about it is like we've we've really entered into this age of big brother right there's a camera fucking everywhere even in your hand like everything you do is recorded every step you take is in a cloud like everybody knows can find you like wherever you are at all times right so you have zero privacy and you can't get away with anything right um and yet they take this piece of it and they force it underground into a black market mm. when it was not in a black market. It was above ground and visible just like Basically everything else. Basically being overlooked by law enforcement because who is it really harming, you know, the, the, the consensual part of it, right? And then if there was a situation that was like actually, you know. Yeah. Let's talk about, so, so sometimes I wonder like, you know, like because sex work, um, you know, like, to me, there's always been, like, hatred of, like, hookers or loose women even, right? Um, and I think a lot, it's coming from women. It's coming from the wives of men and, you know, they're trying to, like, get these men legitimately or something, I guess, or they're jealous or whatever. But I feel, I've always felt it's kind of coming from um, the women and gay men who are kind of hiding a little bit, you know, like a kind of Lindsey Graham kind of person, um, you know, very judgmental and obviously very gay and, you know, so, um, so like, I, I've always kind of got that feeling because there's, there's more than one camp, you know, like, I don't, like, I think most straight men would love for prostitution to be legal, like, I think they would absolutely love it, um, but there's a shame around it for them as right. well, like, both sides are supposed to be shamed really badly. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, what do you think about that? Um, I think that sex is a natural human need, and so is connection, and so is, like, love and feeling accepted. Um, I don't think that those are shameful things, and I think that in an ideal world, if consensual sex work were legalized, um, I think that people would get those needs met and there wouldn't be such a stigma around it. Well, the stigma is really a relic, you know. It's a relic of a time of even stronger patriarchy right. um, and marriage, right? Because that's what I mean. Like, why would you be upset about someone seeing a prostitute, um, 
you know, unless you're married to that person, and who's really married, you know, like, and who's married that goes out for prostitutes, right? We're not in a world anymore where the only place a married man can have sex is with a prostitute. Right. Because everyone's married. And why is it the prostitute's fault if the married man sleeps with her? Because she's just doing her job. Um... Well, I mean, right now, yeah. But, like, so the shame and, like, the castigation that's placed on both parties, um, I don't think is appropriate for the age that we're in. Because we're in an age of hooking up. We're in an age of casual sex. So to criminalize any part of sex at a time when everyone's hooking up, to me, it's just giving something away to guys. Because, um, you know, to me, the, the... What's obvious is, like, there are some some differences between men and women physically and whatnot. And if you look at the rate of social change, you can only imagine how things were a few thousand years ago, right? So, like, um, so obviously, like, you know, technology is, is really greatly eliminating men's advantage in physical strength. Like, there's really becoming no advantage physically anymore to being a male. Whereas there used to be so much advantage to this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that was their gift, was this physical strength advantage. And what was women's gift? Sexuality and reproduction, and still is. And that's still valuable. Uh-huh. That hasn't been lost. It'll with, always be valuable. Yeah, it's not lost whatsoever with like technology. what I do is the it's oldest enhanced. In the world. Right. Now you got a phone, you got Craigslist, and now it's even bigger. Now you don't need one man because there's a whole bunch of them that are available. It's even better, right? But they don't want that. They don't want women to be able to easily access the vast array of men who would like to give her time and attention and money. They would like you to be stuck in a zone. It forces you into a class as well. Right. Um... Yeah, and it also makes women financially dependent where they had not been. No, it's ab- absolutely it. Um, I don't feel like um, I've been made a financially independent by sex work, but I feel like I'm financially dependent on sex work. You know, I told you like I do it because I okay. I feel that it is empowering. That is not why I do it. I do it because I need the money to survive mm-hmm. in the city, and I think. If people are being honest, that's why the majority of sex workers are doing it. I enjoy it. It's a good job. It gives me more freedom and flexibility than any other job I've ever had. And I've had a lot of other jobs. Um, You know, and also uh, for someone who, like, struggles with mental illness, um, having the ability to create my own schedule, basically have no boss, I can show up late to work. You know, if I'm having a bad day, I can call out. I make money on my own terms. You know, um, do you have health insurance? I have health insurance. Yeah, I mean, I take medication and go to therapy, but I have borderline personality disorder and PTSD, which both of those things aren't really solved by medication and therapy, right? Immediately, so yeah, yeah. So like, that's honestly why I do sex work. Um, I have had like a lot of other jobs. I went to college. I didn't graduate college, but I went to college for two years. Like, I have certifications. Um, but I choose to do this, you know, mm. because this is what allows me to make the money that I need to survive and live comfortably. 
And right. I feel like women should have the right to, to do that. You know, if that's what I want to do, if that's what I feel comfortable doing, nobody is forcing me to do it. I'm doing it because, you know, it's an acceptable option to me. I don't see why I shouldn't be able to do that. Mm. And I feel like legalizing the ability for consenting adults to have transactional sexual arrangements would make it safer for everybody involved. Yeah, but, like, they can't, like, they want to know everything about us. So, like, on Bumble, you got to have your Facebook linked. And you gotta have a phone number. Oh Everybody, yeah, I think I have both of those like, linked on are you Tinder. Are kidding me? I think I have both of them linked on Tinder. Yeah. yeah, and then like, like, and I've had clients being like, "I saw you on Tinder. Did we match?" I'm like, no. All right. Um, my friend, my duo partner, who is my partner that I work with in sex work and escorting. If a guy wants a threesome or something, we'll do it together. We work together. Uh, we promote each other, and she's also a really good friend of mine. She's a great person. Um. Anyway, she introduced me to a client because I didn't want to post myself, and um, she found a client for me. So I went to go see this guy, and he picked me up at the train station uh, to walk over to his house. He seemed like a really nice um, businessman, Orthodox Jewish. He was wearing, like, a yarmulke. He seemed, just seemed like a really sweet guy. He made a weird comment about my hair, telling me that I should straighten my hair better or something, and I thought that was weird. But anyways, we went to his house, and... Um, so he gives me my money, and um, he starts talking to me like I'm his wife. Like, oh, sweetie, didn't weren't we gonna make love tonight, sweetie? Um, and I'm I'm like, is he role playing or is he like a, a freak? Like, should I be frightened right now? You know, I figure that he's role playing, right? So we like do the thing, and the whole time he's talking to me like, do you love me? Say you love me, like you want my baby, right? Blah blah blah, like all this really creepy kind of crazy shit and I'm like yeah 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 totally because I just want to get it over with and uh because my partner saw him so I figure he's not like a serial killer or anything he's just got a weird fetish right um that she didn't tell you about that she didn't tell me about yeah no she didn't um and uh anyways uh it was really weird and he uh asked me if I would marry him and like if I wanted to come be his like live-in wife and I could live there rent-free and just be his wife as like housewife and I was like, no, I'm not really into that, but thank you, have a good night. <laughs> and um, that was probably one of the more bizarre clients that I've ever had for escorting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have people coming with really weird fetishes, like the Alka-Seltzer guy, that was weird. Um, there's a guy who, remember those like Nickelodeon shows, those kid shows where like, like Double Dare, or when they would drop the slime on you? Yeah. Okay, there's a guy who has a fetish for that, and that's called, like, splooshing or something like that. Okay. And he'll come into the splooshing? dungeon. Splooshing? yeah. He'll come into the dungeon, and he'll bring, like, silly string and, like, whipped cream and chocolate syrup and all different kinds Yum. of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and he picks a girl, um, and what he does is he does trivia, does New York City trivia, and he'll ask you questions about New York City. If you get a question wrong, he, like, throws a pie at you or, like, sprays whipped cream on you or, like, sprays silly string on you or something like that or, like, throws jello on you or something. That's just what he's into. Do you stand there naked? Uh, no. I think most of the girls are standing, like, in their underwear and then they take a shower afterwards. Mm -hmm. I haven't personally done it because they didn't want to get, like, you know, sugar all over me. I thought that would be kind of unhygienic, so I didn't do it. But, like, you see the girls come out and it's just, like, all in their hair and all over their face and, like... 
I thought that was an interesting fetish because it's he doesn't want to touch you, he doesn't want to eat it off you, he doesn't want to do anything. He just wants to throw it at you. Yeah. And get you like just it covered does in sound food. Fun. It does sound kind of fun. Like I would do it if I didn't think that it would be like kind of gross. You have. It sounds like you have like kind of eccentric taste a little bit. What do you mean? Well, like the things that you like versus the things that you won't do are kind of weird to me because like some of the things you won't do to me are so like basic like what <laughs> but then some of the things you do do are like so wild so i'm like then why do you want to do the basic but you have your own set it's of usually like if i don't want to do something it's yeah it's either it's either for like a moral reason not in a judgy way just in a, my personal set of morals or it's a comfort thing I don't feel comfortable doing this yeah like some things are as simple as like I don't like that guy that I told you I turned down uh, who wanted like the the face fucking or whatever I turned him down because I have a gag reflex when I brush my teeth sometimes when I'm brushing my tongue I gag so I didn't want to do like a yeah. full hour of that like yeah. it wasn't like a moral judgment on him like your fetish is, is naughty and bad it was just like I didn't think I could do it or I didn't feel comfortable doing it. Sometimes I've canceled appointments because I'm stoned or because the guy doesn't respond to my jokes. Like, what do you do with guys who have a micro penis? Um, if they have a micro penis, they're probably we don't like touch dicks at the dungeon. No, but in unless private we're doing clients. oh private clients. Okay. Um, I haven't. I don't know what I would do. I would probably. Shit, I've only seen micro penises at the dungeon, and we just use a Hitachi wand on them, like it's a clip. What, a Hitachi wand? Yeah, you treat it like it's a clit. You, like, rub it or put a Hitachi wand on it. Touch their balls. Um, we don't do that at the dungeon. We just put a fucking Hitachi wand on it, and we're like, all right. God. Because we don't touch them, you know? Uh, I haven't had, like, a an escorting client with a micropenis. I'd probably be like, I don't know what to do with this. Sorry, I'm going to go home. Uh, what about a baby dick? Uh, ba- baby dicks happen. <laughs> they I mean, do that's like less work for me if you think about it I'd be more happy to see a client with a baby dick than a client with a huge dick right you know but you don't come across that too much do you huge dick not huge no, no. decent sized yeah <laughs> yeah good size yeah there's like hot hot clients like one thing I don't like about the rad femme attitude is, like, their attitude towards sex work in general. Mm-hmm. Um, because they could have the attitude that, like, if women controlled it... There you go. Then they could use it the way they want to. Exactly. But they have the... They almost have a Puritan sexual attitude, They absolutely do when it comes to heterosexual sex. They think that nobody enjoys sex with men. <laughs> they re- I really... I get that from them. I really do. But they're not all gay, How could right? you... No, they're not all no. gay. So, like, they, a, a lot, lot of them are, are in relationships But a lot of them are, are lesbians. A lot of them are political lesbians where they just hate men so much that they've sworn off dick. I mean, I hate men, too, but I don't swear off dick. Like, I know... I know. Me neither. So. Like, I know, like, my <laughs> biological needs and, like, what I find attractive. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm... I'm I'm bi, but I'm still attracted to guys. It's not like I can just swear off dick either because I'm attracted to goals, so. Ah. Uh, I kind of uh, wish I, I wasn't attracted to men. But. No? Um, wait, let me put that. So. So, um, well, thank you, guest. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks, guest, for, you know, enlightening us to your views on 
um, sex work and FOSTA especially and how that's affecting um, sex workers and also just creating a climate of like fear and hostility and more control and conservatism. Yeah. Um, it sounds pretty fun and exciting what you do, at least like different. Yeah. Um, so I certainly appreciate you taking the time to share all that with us. All right. Well, thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. It was nice meeting you. Nice meeting you too. Thanks for listening to Millennial Sex Podcast. And we look forward to our next romp in the bedroom. Good night. <laughs>